Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. If you've had COVID-19 and you're still not feeling like your normal self, the answer might be wrapped around your wrist. More on that after the news. Mitt Romney has sold his oceanfront La Jolla home for $23.5 million. The Utah senator and former Republican presidential candidate completed the sale June 30th, according to the San Diego County Recorder's Office. The sale price makes it the fifth most expensive home sale in San Diego County history. UC San Diego will soon break ground on a new building, the $70 million La Jolla Innovation Center. A private developer, GPI Companies, will build the seven-story tower, which will house health and medical programs across the street from the main campus. The university says it needs new buildings because older ones require costly seismic upgrades. Construction will begin next month. San Diego County's Borrego Springs experienced the hottest June on record with an average monthly temperature of 91.7 degrees. That's according to the National Weather Service. That broke the previous hot average for June of 90.9 degrees set in 1981. The Weather Service says Borrego Springs and Ocotillo Wells could reach 118 degrees on Saturday and 116 on Sunday. If you had COVID-19 a few months ago, but you're still not feeling 100%, your Apple Watch or Fitbit might be able to tell you why. Scripps research scientists analyzed data from wearable devices to understand how the coronavirus affects heart rate, sleep, and activity levels. The findings were published in the scientific journal JAMA Network Open. Jonathan Wozen is the biotech reporter at the UT. Okay, Jonathan, tell me about this study. What did researchers look at and what were their findings? So this is a study that Scripps started back in March of 2020 called DETECT. And what they're trying to do is trying to use all the data that people are collecting all the time on wearable devices like Fitbits, Apple Watches, Garmin's, other wearables that about one in every five people actually has to get a better sense of each person's baseline. So when you're healthy, going about your regular routine and how COVID impacts that and how long it takes to get back to that sort of pre-COVID normal. So here they've enrolled about 37,000 volunteers across the U.S. over the past year. So people basically downloaded an app that uh, allowed them to share, uh, you know, anonymized, de-identified Uh, information about their heart rate, number of steps they were taking, their sleep patterns during the day. And in this particular study, they looked at how those things changed during COVID-19, so during disease, and how long it took them to get back to normal. Yeah, it seems like such an innovative use of wearable devices. I mean, has this been done before? So this is probably the best example of it being done for COVID, uh, this is definitely, you know, the type of one of the areas that a lot of researchers will say uh, is something that you can expect more of in the future, you know, for everything from clinical trials, uh, you think about some of the vaccine trials where people were monitoring their own side effects, any symptoms they had at, at home, any signs of possible infection, um, other trials as well. So it, it, you know, this is probably the best example of it being done in the context of COVID-19 for monitoring 
disease, but um, it, you know, it's definitely been you know, a thought that, well, you know, one out of every five people has these devices already. You know, what can we really glean from the information there and how can we use it to help people monitor their own health and then also kind of at the policy level, keep track of new outbreaks, emerging diseases or, or really anything that we need to, um, you know, pay attention to. Could you talk a little bit more about the findings? I mean, what did the findings, you know, add to the bigger picture or just our greater understanding um, of COVID and its long-term effects? Yeah, for sure. So and this, this study compared basically about 600 plus people who had some sort of respiratory illness that was not COVID-19 with I think about 240 people who did have COVID-19 and, and then looked at those variables of sleep, heart rate, uh, and activity, so kind of number of steps a day, that type of thing. And, and so what they found is that even among this group of people, all of whom had some kind of respiratory illness, uh, you could pull out that those with COVID-19 had more of a disturbance to their sleep, so they were sleeping you know, more uh, for longer periods of time than other people who were sick with other infections, that uh, they were less active compared to that you know, comparison group of, of non-COVID patients or participants, um, and that the way that the virus, that the infection affected their heart rate was different. So with the COVID patients, you saw their heart rates actually go down a bit from their pre-infection baseline about a week uh, after when, one week in symptoms, their heart rate went down and then it went up. And in a small percentage of people, it stayed up for up to four going on on five months. So the thought there, and it still needs to be confirmed, is that maybe that the virus is uh, influencing the what they call the autonomic nervous system, so the part of your nervous system that controls uh, bodily functions that you don't think about consciously, but that are important for day-to-day um, -day life. So it gives us a sense that the recovery from COVID takes more time and isn't as straightforward as, as what we've seen for other uh, viral infections. And that might tell us something about the fact that at least some people who uh, get infected with this virus continue to have symptoms like difficulty breathing, chest pain, uh, hard time you know, smelling, tasting, thinking clearly, you know, what they call long COVID. So this might be one way to get a better understanding of uh, what's going on there in those patients. Uh, going forward, research teams want to use this data to understand how people respond to vaccines. Um, they're also hoping that they can see, you know, whether wearable device data can predict changes in the number of COVID cases uh, reported at the county level. What more can you tell us about that? Yeah, so on the county side, I, I know Scripps is looking to enroll about 7,000 to maybe 10,000 people in the region. And the whole idea here is that if some of these changes, which you may not even notice consciously, you know, some of these subtle changes in activity levels and heart rate and uh, sleep patterns, and maybe down the line, as these devices start measuring other things like your blood oxygen levels, which change during COVID, those, those tend to go down, uh, your you know, blood pressure, uh, how rapidly you're breathing. So anyway, if these changes can be early indicators of a viral infection, then you know, seeing a whole lot of people in a particular community 
change from their baseline might predict that there is an outbreak and you might be able to see that a lot faster than you would if you're really waiting for those positive test results to come in or if you're waiting for more people to show up at the hospital with, with certain symptoms. So that what they're hoping to see is that maybe they can predict the kinds of public health data trends that the county reports uh, and see early signs even a little sooner than those reports come out uh, based on uh, this sort of passive monitoring of wearable devices. And I think on the vaccine front, they're going to be looking at whether certain variables they can measure with these devices are good indicators of how well the vaccine response uh, is working. Um, and also, you know, kind of the question of um, catching potential side effects that are, are real, but uh, very rare. They can pick up on those things with wearable device data as well. You can learn more about that study at detectstudy.org. I'm Christy Totten, host of the San Diego News Fix. Thanks for listening.